Welcome to the Profitable Farmer Podcast, where it's all about increasing the profitability of your farm by working smarter, not harder. G'day, and once again, welcome to Profitable Farmer. Um, from wherever you are dialing in from, from around Australia, for many of you, it's going to be locked in a cabin of either a chaser bin or a header or a, a truck of some description. And um, I'm hoping that harvest is really positive for you. The reports I get from our community is that that's the case in many regions. Um, often over harvest, we can get cabin fever sitting in those cabins and probably not necessarily have a, a broader national or global perspective. And so it's with that in mind that I'm delighted to introduce Brett Stevens to you today. Brett is the founder and managing director of Market Check, which is was a company that was founded in 1996 by Brett and now is regarded quite clearly as Australia's most highly respected and widely used independent grain marketing program for farming families across Australia. So Brett, welcome. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Jeremy. Very glad to come on board. So Brett, getting straight into this, if I could, um, we're in the throes of what seems to be quite a positive harvest for many. Would you mind just giving us your assessment of what you and your team are seeing across Australia by way of um, this grain harvest and how it's coming in? Yeah, well, Jeremy, it's not, look, the, the, the probably the highlight of this year's harvest is the fact that uh, a lot of areas of New South Wales and uh, northern, central, southern New South Wales, which have been in the grip of drought for three years, are having an absolutely sensational harvest so far by yield and also uh, uh, by price, even though it's not a high price, but price to yield ratio is very, very good. So that's a real highlight. Victoria is a sort of above average, South Australia sort of average and some areas below average, and West Australia is very mixed. So, um, you know, it's probably the, you know, it's a very good harvest, nearly 30 million tonnes of wheat across Australia. But as I say, the highlight is for a lot of those growers who have had a very poor time for the last three years getting a cracker harvest this year. Yeah, which is absolutely wonderful to see. So just going into that a little bit in a little bit more detail, Brett, um, what you're seeing out of Victoria is a, a really positive outcome this year? Victoria, Victoria will be a positive outcome um, because there's a lot of, uh, well, a lot of areas are getting average to above average crops this year in Victoria. Um, the prices are nothing like the drought prices which we've had in the last few years. So for a lot of southern Victoria areas in the last few years, due to the drought, they've had quite good yields and they've had absolutely exceptional prices. So, um, so you know, one man's fish is another man's poison. They're poison, as they say, but the, the New South Wales has been uh, struggling with no crops at all and that's benefited the guys, a lot of guys in Victoria, particularly southern Victoria and south Australia. So... Um, so Victoria, yes, they'll have another good year, but um, um, but you know, obviously, as I say, the highlights in New South Wales. Absolutely. And what about into South Australia? You mentioned that they're perhaps not probably having as good a season as as the more eastern states. Um, so what about South Australia and then Western Australia? Yeah. Well, well, South Australia, yes, it's very mixed. 
farm. There's still some good areas, particularly over on the eastern side. Um, on the peninsulas and that sort of thing, pretty mixed cropping scenario. The prices are, you know, they're, as I say, they're sort of average. Barley price is, is not disastrously low like it was in 2016, but it's still pretty low. Um, so it's, you know, it's, as I say, average below average from an income, from a gross margin point of view in South Australia. In Western Australia, again, mixed the South. There's some good areas, aspirants. Um, but in the northern zones, a lot of crops got cut short. Uh, so, uh, as I said, you know, without going into the, you know, all the bits and pieces of who's got it and who hasn't, um, in Western Australia, the pricing again, you know, they're on export the same as the East Coast. So they're just sort of average prices for them. Thank you, Brett. And your assessment is a 30 million ton annual or domestic crop. Yeah, this year for wheat, just using wheat as a bit of a benchmark, um, yeah, we're thinking around that 29, 30 million. It'll be interesting to see how it sort of all pans out, forecast to forecast, but uh, we'll have to count the tons in the bin at the end of the day. But I think it should be, I mean, I I think it might be smidge higher than that, but it, you know, I reckon around, around about that. And, and of course, 2016, we had 34 and a half million to give people a bit of a benchmark um, of comparison. Great, thank you. Now, I understand MarketCheck um, delivers training and support to over 4,000 business annual, businesses annually, but you've got over 1,000 members across Australia. Would you mind just giving us a bit of background on MarketCheck, the business, and your team, Brett? Yeah, well, yeah, a little bit of history. I started MarketCheck actually in, uh, in 1990, late 94, so 1995. Um, and the principle has been to educate farmers on uh, grain marketing uh, principles and that sort of thing in, in terms of just managing risk um, and as well as uh, selling the grain. The, the, the reason for that beginnings was at that time there was um, an acknowledgement that the deregulation was on the way uh, of the national single desk. And so I was uh, out there trying to prepare growers for that. Um, it didn't happen for, for a much longer period than I thought, so it didn't happen until 2008, in fact. Um, so now we've gone from purely sort of an education situation, which was back where we started, that's where our roots were, to now providing education, but we also provide consultancy support. We provide an agency arrangement where we act for growers on their behalf in the market. And we also uh, provide what we call managed programs where we action particular strategies on behalf of our growers as well. So, um, and, we, and we have uh, some growers who are just members who like to receive uh, the support of information and strategy about you know, what to do. We have other growers who, uh, who just like to you know, put some grain into our managed programs, some who like to use us as their agent and others who used to who, who like to use us for the whole shooting match. They we provide advisory services, we market their grain, they uh, we balance out their risk for them. You know, it's a much more intensive relationship we have with those growers. So a bit of a across the board, but yeah, I sort of see that we offer pretty much what most you know. You can't generalise with growers. Growers are all different, and uh, some growers want something, and others want others. And we like to think we probably provide a pretty broad spectrum to satisfy those needs. 
Thanks, Brett. Yeah, I know that um, many of our clients um, value and rely on the support and the advice that your team provide. Um, I can think of at least five um, from a standing start and they um, all speak very highly of you. So for those of you that haven't yet um, met or got to know the Market Check business, I highly recommend that you um, jump onto their website, check them out and um, and reach out if um, support in this space is something that you're looking for. Thanks, so, Jeremy. I really appreciate that. Thanks, Brett. So, Brett, coming back to prices, what was playing out and again, perhaps for wheat and maybe canola or the pulses um, over sort of the few months leading up to harvest. And what have you seen in recent weeks? Well, you know, the, the, the you know, there's sort of the, the, the three biggies, if you like, let's talk about canola, barley and wheat. Um, it's been an interesting year because we've had COVID and all the impacts that that's had on in, in, in these markets. Um, you know, we've had the China uh, barley aspect and more recently sort of um, innuendo that it's going to be a, that they're trying to block us in wheat. Um, but anyway, the long and the short of it is is that, uh, and starting with canola, is the world is relatively short of oil seeds. Um, China, interestingly, while trying to sort of push their trade situation, are, are desperately short of bean, soybean and soybean meal um, and, and certainly the oils as well. So even though you're sort of feeling like there's this negative overtone from the way the world is with COVID, etc., cetera, um, the oil market is quite strong. Canola is you know, up there around about the $600 a tonne mark and has been there for some time. So, um, so that's very rewarding for the growers who have got canola in this year. Um, and then to sort of We'll go from the sort of the, the good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> we'll drop down to barley. Barley, you know, very different story because we were dropped in the soup there a few years ago by uh, China pulling out and there being a major buyer. Um, so we've had to, you know, the, the, the grains had to find a new home, which is, you know, the second biggest buyer in the world is Saudi Arabia. And now we're, we've, we've gone from those numbers back to numbers which are reaching Saudi now. So, uh, you know, 215, 220s delivered port for barley. We're the cheapest barley going around, especially in Southeast Asia. Um, but the thing is, the world is, uh, again, relatively short of feed grains, uh, nothing like the oversupply that was there in 2016. And so, you know, we're not at the $100 a tonne mark for barley. So... For those that have got quite good crops of barley, it's not a you know disastrous experience of being involved in barley. Um, and then moving just quickly to wheat, wheat has had a sort of roller coaster year because uh, we had all that front end demand earlier in the year as a result of the outbreak of COVID and people building up you know stocks in their houses of flour and this sort of thing. Not just in Australia but globally, we saw a, you know a rally where the the Australian dollar equivalent of the American price got up to $340, $350 a tonne. And, uh, and then we've weakened off. We're now at about sort of $295 odd a tonne uh, equivalent. Um, and China, you know, as I say, reverberations about China's buying capacity of wheat from Australia. But they're only a small piece of the buying pattern of Australian product. And so, uh, you know, we've, we've not seen a real damaging aspect to that to the price um, but the prices are 
relatively low to where they were previously in the year, um, but they're still not disastrously low. The, the main consequence is that our price relative to the world is very cheap. We're virtually pricing into markets from Southeast Asia all the way to the Middle East. So I th hopefully that gives a little bit of a general wrap up of where we are across the three major grains that people are growing. Thanks, Brett. What's your take on China and how that might unfold for us? Well, uh, it's quite interesting the last, well, let me sort of start by this. Uh, I mean, obviously there, uh, from a trade perspective, we have, we have um, a people that we uh, retain to give us information on what's happening with trade and information flows, they're based in China. Um, and, and so we get a lot of information about what's going on at that level. And, and simply as this, they're, they're really just trying to, I, I guess, hurt us uh, from a trade perspective. So they're picking out commodities which they can find from other sources um, and, uh, and are providing blockages for us, if you like, and difficulties for us in those commodities. Um, and so barley was an easy one because there's, there's other sources of barley around the world. Um, wine, you know, things like this, lobster, mm. you know. But um, when it comes to something like wheat, there's really not much damage to be done. They only buy, you know, 10, maybe 15% tops of our crop. Um, so there's not a, not a lot of hurt factor there, if you like. Um, so that's been the general sort of play that's been going on. But... Quite interestingly, just in the last 24 hours, Jeremy, um, you know, and maybe to do with the Biden, new Biden administration coming in, but there's been a quite a shift between, and this is sort of more macro, between the UK, Japan and Europe, um, taking, uh, this stage only verbal, but taking a position to say that China is unnecessarily focusing on Australia and what's this all about. So, you know, I don't know. We, it will be interesting to see how, play out, how it plays out, but we might see some softening. I'm hoping, certainly, that we might see some softening from China. I know they've wanted to sort of try and wield the stick a bit on Australia in the last six months, but it's now being picked up by a lot of the other world trading nations, and I think, uh, you know, we might have some friends that are going to help us out soon here. Positive signs, perhaps, hopefully. I, 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 I hope so. I, I think that the, certainly the, uh, the new administration in America will act very differently to the past one, which I think is quite logical for everybody. I think that's something we can almost um, hang our hat on. Um, I'm not sure we could have a repeat of the same, could we? No, I don't think we'll ever see that again. And probably, uh, depending on where you sit, uh, maybe thankfully, but certainly from a trade perspective to Australia, uh, yeah, we, 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 we'd prefer to see a more moderate stance on China than what's been the case in the last few years. What about more globally? What, what are you seeing by way of production? Um, what has happened in Europe and the Asias and the Americas over this season? Yeah, well, without sort of going, because the world is a very big place, Jeremy, there's a lot of crop out there, you yeah. know, uh, but probably to focus on the main one, the, the main one has been the fact that we're sitting in La Nina and uh, a lot of growers, I'm hoping, are looking, you know, out there, uh, you know, at the crop this morning, probably on their headers or not headers or if they're finished looking at the, their um, storage report. Um, 
But the thing is, we're, we're in a very good season, you know, a La Nina-style season, um, and that's, you know, wetter than average for us. Um, and you'll notice probably those who watched the news last night, they said the fire risk is one thing, but we're worried about floods. Um, conversely, in the Northern Hemisphere, that is uh, drier than normal, you know, for them. And uh, so the crops that were going, that were planted and going into the winter snow cover in the Black Sea and North America um, received really insufficient rain to germinate properly before going under snow. A lot of them are not under snow yet, um, and uh, so there's been a little bit of rain to help. But that's created a bit of an issue in a world that's, you know, uh, from a supply point of view, is reasonably well balanced. There's surplus stocks in some areas, uh, particularly in China. But we we don't we've got quite a tight world for wheat, um, and so um, so that's what supported the prices to get them to where they are today, um, and that's why in a high production year we've actually got quite a reasonable price, not like the disastrous prices we had in 2016. But the main focus is those big production areas of North America and uh, and the Black Sea that are going into winter with insufficient rain underneath the crops. So does that bode well for prices into the near term? Well, it'll, it, where it will uh, play a role is next year in terms of how those crops come out of the snow cover and you know just whether they had enough germination to protect them. Um, so we're, we're in for some volatility, Jeremy, I might say, you know, like with the... Uh, with those, you know, Black Sea is the biggest wheat production zone in the world now, um, and uh, with America, you know, not far behind, and uh, both of them have got a lot of uncertainty over them. So I think we're in, we're in for a fair bit of volatility. Thank you, Brett. It's um really interesting to get your perspective on this. Um, perhaps coming back to Australia, what about quality? Um, it seems to me, as I speak to our clients and and drive around, that certainly in this region, that quality seems really positive. Um, what's happening by way of grain quality this year and perhaps price differential between the, um, the grades? Yeah, well, it's been quite interesting. Yes, you're right. The quality so far from northern and central New South Wales and even now appearing as we're moving you know, through southern New South Wales has been exceptional. You know, like we've got growers, in the Walgett area, you know, which is APH sort of 13, 14, 15% protein, um, virtually all the, you know, for a big percentage of their crop. I won't say that that's everybody, but it's been very high quality crop. So big yields, high quality, sounds fantastic. But unfortunately, uh, domestically, that was a bit of, there was an oversupply of that quality and also an undersupply of APW. And uh, so the grade, uh, which is used a lot in biscuit making and other things like that, uh, was undersupplied. So it moved up and the high protein better grades moved down. And so there's a very small, only a very small premium over APW for the higher protein grades, which for a lot of growers might seem, gee, finally got a brilliant crop, great quality, and I'm not getting rewarded for it. And that's in a certain sense sort of true but it's mostly got to do with the short supply of the median grades, like APW, which is artificially making them more expensive than normal because of the low supply. Um, but once you move away from that down to the feed grades, which are being dragged down by barley, of course, 
um, you know, your seventy or eighty dollars away. So, and fortunately, so far we've had very little of that. Um, some areas of Liverpool Plains have been caught up with it, uh, but mostly, you know, Victoria, South Australia, Western Australia, the quality situation has been quite strong and meant that we're more in a human consumption market than we are in a feed market. Thanks, Brett. Um, So what's your take on what impact a positive year like this might have on our farming families? Well, I certainly think, and I know I'm, you know, I come from Dubbo, so I guess I've got a strong, you know, empathy for what's been going on in the Central West and North the last three years. so, uh, you know, in, in New South Wales, at least, it's going to be a great um, burst of enthusiasm, burst of, um, of money, if you like, back into bank accounts. And it's going to lift a lot of those towns and things that have, you know, that have been very uh, run down. I, I mean, I'll give you one sample. We've got a, a grower client of ours that's based at Colli, just north of Dubbo, and um, and I'm quite friendly with uh, the father. And anyway, they, in his career, he's my age, I'm 60, just by the way. In his career, you know, they've not had one year where they've dropped a crop, you know, in, in, in sense of having average or below average. But they've virtually had no crop for three years. I mean, it's been nothing short of extraordinary. But they're getting a bin buster this year. So that's going to be a huge help for the balance sheet. Um, of not only the farmers, but also a huge help for the local communities in, in all those areas. So, um, And I think otherwise in Victoria, and uh, I don't want to generalise too much because there's lots of different, you know, northern and south and eastern Victoria, but um, generally they're travelling quite well, so this will be uh, good in that it's a, a good crop. Uh, Western Australia, uh, sorry, I'll just quickly go, South Australia, not too bad because, you know, as I say, the drought prices have been helping them the last few years. And Western Australia, I think it's pretty tough because they had a bad harvest last year. And for those regions that have not got a very good crop this year, it's another, it's a bit of a tough year. So um, it's, you know, it's uh, as normal, it's a big paddock Australia. And so we've got some haves and have nots. Thanks, Brett. So for those out there in the midst of harvest, um, make sure you enjoy this one. Um, I do hope that it's positive for you um, and that yeah, your recovery from what has been a tough year for many um, is as strong as it can be. So thanks for that, Brett. It's great to get your sort of national and even global overview. Uh, thanks, Jeremy. Really appreciate you including me on your podcast. So I hope that, yeah, if I can just... Uh, I know a lot of members will be uh, will be within your group, so a bit of a shout out to say, uh, hope you're travelling well and uh, and looking forward to talking to you soon. Perfect, Brett. Now I've got a couple more questions. I'm not going to let you go yet, if that's okay. Oh, gee, I thought you were wrapping up. Sorry. <laughs> Just okay, go ahead, Jeremy. Sorry about that. So no, that's completely fine. Um, if you reflect back on, I guess your. 25-ish years in business or more with market check. I'm not very good at maths, Brett. Um, Would you mind describing how the team has grown? Like how many people do you employ now and um, to what degree are you actively involved in the leadership and and would you mind sharing the structure that market check operates to? Yeah, well... 
we, um, yeah, well, we, as you mentioned before, we started back in the mid-90s. <clears throat> I, I had 10 years in banking prior to that. Um, so, but yeah, it's the 20, oh, what are we at, 95, it must be the 25th year of operation of MarketCheck. Um, and uh, as I said before, you know, we, we're across the board in a lot of different service structures to our, our, our broadacre uh, growers. Um, we're, we're, you know, we ebb and flow with the seasons because, you know, we, we rely on tons, you know, to, to, for our business to operate. So, um, it's no, uh, you know, uh, to be, to be brutal about it, the last three years have been very tough for us. Um, and so we had 23 odd people on staff, uh, up until, uh, uh, January this year, and we just finally we just couldn't uh, continue, so we had to retrench a number. We're 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 back down to 14 staff now, um, as a result of that. Uh, and but we've been able to survive. And uh, um, sadly, a lot of other competitors of ours have not survived. Um, and I say sadly because as an industry, <clears throat> you know, I'd like to see the industry continue to develop, but uh, the drought has sort of wreaked havoc. Unfortunately, on a lot of other, a lot of other consultants and uh, and providers in this space, um, where where uh, because of COVID, we were in an office, but now we're working uh, uh, very disparately. We've got uh, a lot of our advisory staff working regionally, um, as well as from the city, and uh, we're very fortunate in that we've invested heavily over the years in communication structures. So. Um, we most of our business runs from the cloud. Our phone system, all our client management system, all operates from the cloud. So we were very. It was very easy for us to adapt to the post-COVID environment. And uh, so we're in a new, new uh, part to our journey. Uh, in that, you know, we're 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 not in an office now. We have an office, but there's very rarely people there, and we're communicating from this, you know, this platform. Of, uh, of advisors that are based um, all over the place, um, South Australia, you know, New South, all over New South Wales, uh, Victoria, you know, so, um, and, um, and it's working very, very well, I must say, Jeremy, you know, like, so uh, we're not in a hurry to try and pull everybody back into the office again, but, uh, um, and we're wanting to get back onto a growth path again. So uh, we're a national provider, which is, uh, of, of which we're the only one in Australia to be in that in that situation, and so given the size of the of the crop and the and the responsibility, you know, we'd like to get the business back growing again. We've grown quite a lot in the last 25 years, but uh, we'd like to get back onto a path where we can look after more growers. No doubt, some tough decisions, Brett, recently as a result of those last few dry seasons. As you reflect back on your 25-year journey with MarketCheck um, and going from a small team to, you know, what has been and will become, again, a significant team. What are you most proud of as managing director of that company? Well, I'm probably most proud of the staff, really. I, I, I'm very proud of what they've been able to achieve. Um, we've, we've had, you know, a lot of challenging times. The drought, you know, the O2 drought, you know, the, you call it whatever you like, 07, 08, and then the uh, and then the the 
1720 drought. Um, and, uh, you know, people, the people working at Market Check have been extremely resilient. The second part to it I'm probably most proud of is, is our clients. We, we have some tremendous clients who have been growing their businesses uh, over these last 25 years. I have some terrific family, family farming businesses that I'm very, uh, you know, that I'm very proud to be associated with. Um, so, uh, and I think for us, you know, it's been a bit of a survival sometimes. Uh, but we've been able to adapt as the market has. We've gone through deregulation, and I I believe very strongly that we've you know we've been able to provide the best practice possible services for our growers that have been uh, been been able given the circumstances they've been confronted with. So you know it's been an interesting time because I've come from all those regulated market times back in the 90s to now being totally deregulated. Um, it's been a very interesting passage of history for the grain industry in Australia and you know I look forward to one day maybe writing a bit of a book or something about it because it has been extraordinary watching it all unfold uh, and running a business and a profitable business over that period so but I'm but by the same token I'm very excited about what we're going to be able to do over the coming 25 years. I think the writing of that book should be absolutely up the list Brett um you know we know how volatile the um the commodity markets can be and to have um, stuck with and been as resilient as your company has to arrive into its 25th year as as the number one national independent grain marketing business for Australia it's a it's a significant story that probably goes unnoticed a lot of the time thanks Jeremy I really appreciate that so speaking of your story and writing a book um, I was actually speaking to your fellow director and some friends of mine who shared with me a story of 2010 for you, Brett, I think, when you um, had an accident that that meant that you then became a quadriplegic for, um, and no doubt had to sort of endure a significant recovery and a change in your life. Would you mind speaking to that and perhaps sharing that story and how you've managed to navigate success in business, um, family and and life, given that challenge? Yeah, well, I would say, you know, and I guess why, why I'm saying I'm very proud of my staff is because, yes, in January 2010, whilst on holidays, I dived into the ocean at a beach uh, and uh, I hit a submerged rock and broke my neck. Uh, which, uh, which, of which I'm very lucky. You know, you can look at these things as lucky or as unlucky, but I was extremely lucky to have survived that accident, actually. Um, and uh, and yes, it's provided an extraordinary challenge. I thought it was challenging enough to be in the grain industry, but to be in the grain industry and also uh, be uh, and spend almost a year in hospital uh, was something else. Um, so, yeah, there's been a number of adaptions. I've had to adapt myself personally to living my life in a different way um, without the capacities I had before. Um, and the business has had to re- rely on not having me available each day. And they've, um, they've but Tom Bassnett uh, in particular, but the, the rest of the team have been uh, extraordinary. It's amazing what people can 
do and achieve when they're play, placed in such an extraordinary uh, situation. Um, I think sometimes that's under underestimated what people are capable of when they're placed in these situations. Um, and uh, so we've had to change things a bit uh, at a personal level, at a business level. The interesting thing is, Jeremy, is that um, I think one of the reasons why we've been as resilient and successful as we've been um, has been because of that accident. So I, I, prior to my accident, I was very much involved in the business. You know, I had a bank, I had a, a list of clients that I was looking after personally. Naturally, with uh, becoming a quadriplegic, I couldn't do that anymore. I just couldn't manage it. So I've been able to spend more time on the business than in the business. Um, I've been able to look from a bit more of a helicopter of what the business is, how we're running it, how we're managing it, um, and what we're doing. And that's meant I've been able to re-engineer things a bit to uh, ensure survival through things like a three-year drought, which we've you know, never seen before. Um, and even though we had to, we had hoped we could keep our full contingency of staff, we just couldn't in the end. Um, but nonetheless, we're still here to uh, to you know continue. And uh, so, you know, it's been an it's an interesting perspective looking at me, the way the business operates, the success of the business and the situation I was placed in and some of the positives from that. So, uh, but I won't ever say it's been easy. It's been, uh, it's been, it's been pretty tough, but you know, I, I, I'm very, you know, in the scheme of things, I'm a lucky person. I've got a great family. I've got a great group of people I work with and I love working with our client base. So, you know, I had a lot, you know, a lot going for me. So it's been able to keep me in pretty good spirits. I'm really grateful for you sharing so much of that story, Brett, and um, it always amazes me to hear um, someone who's been through that, just the mindset and um, the silver lining that you hold on to and get to really um, enjoy. So thank you for that. Um, you mentioned working on the business and not in. Um, we kind of exist to help farming families learn true business management and business leadership skills. And we actually sort of very much work with our coaches to hold them accountable to be working on their farm businesses as families and not in them. What do you see um, when you sort of look across your client base? Do you see them um, stuck as technicians in their business and doing the work of their business? Or do you, do you see farmers actually giving enough time, in your opinion, to the CEO-type functions that um, are just so important in any business? Yeah, it's quite an it's an interesting thing, Jeremy. I mean, you know, you can't generalise because some uh, farmers are able to grow and um, and uh, uh, and and run their businesses very effectively by putting in enormous amounts of effort uh, just purely into all the technical side of their business themselves as the um, as the peer, if you like, of their business. Um, but uh, always the issue is the risk, uh, you know, by, by doing that in that something happens or something like that. And, 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 and then there's a huge gap left uh, in the business. I guess I've always been a very consensus-driven uh, manager. So it's meant everybody's been involved in decisions. And so when my accident happened, 
it wasn't such a big deal for them to run the business without me there. Um, but uh, I really, I agree with what you're saying. The, the businesses that uh, you know, really kick and really run well are those ones where uh, the farmer is you know, sharing their, uh, their, their routine and that sort of thing to make sure that they're very much working on the business uh, even though they enjoy working in the business. So, um, and that's why, you know, I will, you know, if I go to anything that's got to do with information or best practice and probably your membership as well, I'll often see a lot of market check members because we tend to attract those people who do want to, you know, work, uh, not just, you know, work very hard, just trying to, just trying to do the business. But they also want to make sure it's run well, you know, make sure they've got good uh, planning in place, good strategy in place. And, uh, and they're the, you know, the, you know, when I'm talking about the real success stories within our group, you know, there's uh, always an element of that. Um, and, uh, you know, something I, I know, you know, from my own history of my father and family farming business, um, it's sometimes hard to do that because you feel guilty. You feel like you should be out there with the team working alongside them. There's very much a culture of that in agriculture in Australia. Um, but if you really want to make things tick, you've got to probably get back to the office and, and, and include yourself in things like what you're doing uh, and others to make sure you're getting lots of information and uh, developing good strategy and working on on how the business is moving forward and, and, you know, what's going on from a more longer-term point of view. Such a great comment, Brett. Thank you. Um, I'm going to say that we probably should wrap up. I could talk to you for a lot longer, but I just want to sincerely thank you for your time at short notice and um, to get that national perspective and that global overview and then just to hear your story of business leadership and and the resilience that, again, you've shown to see market check arrive to where it is. So for those of you who um, are interested, please um, head to the market check website and check out um, all that they're up to. Absolutely um, respect this company as um, the number one independent grain marketing company for Australian farmers. So um, thank you, Brett, again for your time. I really do appreciate it. And I look forward to checking in again shortly. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. Thanks very much for including me. I've enjoyed the discussion. Thank you very much. Take care, guys, and bye for now.